This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. When you shop at a Walmart Vision Center, you get it. You know that you'll spend a little less on stylish glasses for the whole family. Welcome to the Vision Center. Let me know if you need help finding the perfect frame. Hey mom, you were right. These glasses are cool. Hun, they take our insurance. That means Papa's getting a new pair, too. Whoa, glasses start at just $39. Next stop, groceries. So you can get a little more of what you need. Find a vision center near you. Save money, live better. Walmart. Welcome to Cottage Talk. I am Russ Goldman, and in this episode, I'll be talking to Bob Ballard, who you might have heard in several places, including TalkSport. He's a West Ham supporter, and he's on to share his thoughts on his club ahead of this match against Fulham. This is our View of the Opposition show, which is our preview for this upcoming match. I look forward to doing this show, but before I do anything else, I have to welcome my guest to the show. Bob, welcome to Cottage Talk. Thanks for inviting me, Russ. Good to speak to you again. It's great to speak to you. I've been on your show when you were on TalkSport, so thank you for returning the favor here. My pleasure. Okay, well, let's get right to it, my friend. You are a huge West Ham supporter, so let's start here. Let's talk about the beginning of the season, which, again, I look at it as a new manager. It takes a little time to adjust, so let's talk about the very beginning stages of the Manuel Pellegrini era for West Ham. And I have to say that I was off uh, the back of last season not prepared to renew my season ticket because we had such an abysmal year last year and we played some of the worst football I've ever seen. I thought, no, I, can't, I, can't, I just can't be doing with this. Uh, watching this week in, week out. Then we appoint Pellegrini. I thought, okay, that's, that's a step in the right direction because of the, the type of football he plays and the reputation he has and the fact he's done so well in this country before with Manchester City. I thought, okay. Let's give him a chance and see how it goes. And it, it was a sketchy start, should we say, to the season. Yep. We had that very big high point, the big win against Manchester United, uh, which... Yeah, I saw I that think, match, by the way. 
Yeah, 3-1. 3-1. And uh, it it was pretty much worth renewing my season ticket just for that game alone, to be honest. To be able to come away from London Stadium having beaten Manchester United 3-1. But it's been very patchy. Until recently, anyway, as we'll have one good performance and we'll have one indifferent performance and then we'll not not play particularly well for a couple of games and then, and then we'll get back into into a rhythm. So it's been very difficult to actually assess how our season has been until pretty much we hit the back end of November. Now, we've had three straight wins, three goals scored in each of those games. Uh, again, we haven't played brilliantly 90 minutes in every game, but we've got the job done. Got the job done very well. Uh, took a while to break Cardiff down, and when when we got uh, past half time, we we we've become a bit like Arsenal in a way, like a second half team. Uh, our second half performances are so much better than our first half, invariably. And um, we're looking for the, our first four wins in a row. Sorry about this. Say this, Russ, at this stage. We're looking for our first four wins in a row run for the first time in five years. Okay, excellent. Well. Thank you for that overall view. But I, I want to talk about the improvement because obviously this has happened over a course of time. You just said it really started to come together. So I'm curious from your view, what do you think is the reason for finally to start going in the right direction? Is it just the players really learning what Manuel Pellegrini wants to do? You talked about playing a, a full 90 minutes plus and mm. obviously much better in the second half. But where do you see the improvement really coming from? Who's more responsible for it? Is it the players or is it really coming from Pellegrini or a combination of both? Yeah, I think you probably hit the nail on the head there. I think it's a combination of both because what he is doing now, he's getting a tune out of players that other people maybe haven't been able to do. Uh, Hernandez has started scoring, which he wasn't doing at the beginning of the season. Rob Snodgrass has come back from Aston Villa as a completely different player completely different player under Pellegrini than he was when he left under Bilic. Um, he's now influencing the game. He's running the game. Martin Noble's having another outstanding season right the way through, and he's going to extend his contract by another year. So we've got him till 2021 now, which is great. Um, we've got uh, some sublime play from Felipe Anderson, who we've got for a steal, quite frankly. Uh, other other clubs around the Premier League and around Europe, we go, how do they get him so cheap? Because uh, he, he really can influence a game. Um, we've got a nice solid goalkeeper now as well, which is very important. He, he, has, he has his little wanderlust occasionally. And he'll, he'll make a couple of little blips, but, but he's been making some fantastic saves this year. Um, so we've got a solid goalie. Our defence is still a little bit creaky. Um, I mean, I, I suppose when I'm talking to you about creaky defence, it's your so oh, we'll just yeah. it out. But um, that we, we, we still have that kind of tendency to, to let in sloppy and stupid goals occasionally like we did against Palace last week we were, we were bossing that, that game and then you know they allow Schlupp in there with, with nobody close to him and suddenly it's 3-2 and we're thinking right, we're under pressure now um, so we're obviously, obviously hypercritical of our own team when we see them but overall, the shape looks good. We're playing positive football. We're going forward. Now, the difference between last year and this year is we're playing the ball forward. We're playing the, the ball out from the back. We're not going back in triangles. We're not going side to side. We're going forward. We're being positive, and we're creating chances. And it's, it's, uh, and the good thing is it's not just 11 players. He's got 16, 17 who contri- contribute now. So it's, it's looking much more positive from our point of view. It's interesting the way that you're describing this, and I've watched. Yeah, you know, I wouldn't say a decent amount, but some West Ham. And what I've noticed, tell me if I'm wrong about this. Talking about going forward and the way that you're playing, 
it kind of reminds me a little bit of Fulham under Slavica back in the championship when it was about going forward, being positive, play the ball out from the back. Mm. And the defense was not the priority, but it was more of an attitude, Bob. And I'm curious your thoughts on this, that the more that you possess the ball and that you go forward, the less the opposition has the ball. So it's more thinking forward than thinking backward, if that makes any sense. Yeah, well, I I like Pellegrini's attitude on this. It's basically he's saying, right, I want to be aggressive. I want to be attacking. I want to be offensive here. You know, there there are other coaches, and we don't necessarily need to mention them in the the Premier League, who who set their stall out to, to not concede. Right. And then, that, yeah, and, and then they kind of build from there. His is kind of the reverse. He he wants us to be a bit more run and gun, a bit more open, uh, which is case where we have frailties occasionally. But right. his, his way of looking at this is, well, we'll create chances then and we'll hopefully create more chances than they will and we'll win. And, and all of a sudden now we, you can see how things are rolling. Three goals, three goals, three goals. Nobody's scoring. Right. Uh, as many goals consistently in the Premier League at the moment as we are. So whatever's happened, they flicked a switch or something's clicked into place. The players are understanding what is required of them under a new system. Now, if you look at it, last four managers, we've had Sam Allardyce, we've had, um, we've, we've had his way of doing things, we've had David Moyes' way of doing things, which, which weren't totally dissimilar. Um, in, in between, we had Slavin Bilic, uh, and now we've got Pellegrini. So you've got, you've got two quite attacking-minded managers and two quite defensive-minded um, managers there. So the players who've been in and around the team for a while now are probably thinking, right, okay, so w- what do I revert to here? How do I play this? What, what does the manager require? I and mean, I think it has taken a little while uh, for them to kind of not buy into it, because I'm sure they, they want to play that yeah. way, to, to understand how to play that way. Right. And... Um, I think it's coming. It's it's coming good. I, I'm, you know, being a West Ham fan and pretty, you like a Fulham fan. You you, you don't get too excited. You you, you you're not <laughs> you, you you're not doing uh, flips every time that we win a, a game. But yeah, the fact we're scoring goals and we're winning games is a great combination right now. Right, and I definitely understand that. And this is something that I'm trying to get adjusted to, Bob. Because what I was comparing, say, Savisa and to what's going on with Pellegrini, is a philosophy, not. Mm a complete style We're talking about philosophy, how that they looked at the game of football. And that's, I think that they're in the same ballpark when, they, how they look at things. And now Fulham have a, a little bit of a different approach. Well, I can say a very different approach mm. seems like under Ranieri, but Ranieri is, you know, again, we're going to have to see how things turn out with him. And it was, it's definitely an adjustment for the players and the way Fulham are playing. And we're going to have to see how this all works out. I, I, have a good feeling about it because I could see how it's starting to work, but only time will tell on that. But when I look at West Ham, it really does bring me back to how much I enjoyed watching Fulham play and what I've been catching up on West Ham this week and watching the, some of the goals and some of the play, it brought me right mm. back there. So that's why I kind of wanted to do just a little comparison between, say, Savisa and Pellegrini, and I, I know that the styles aren't the same, just saying the philosophy, I think, is the same. All right. Yeah, I, I, I think you're. I think you're right in that respect. Yeah. Okay. Very good. All right. You've mentioned one player that I wanted to ask you about, Anderson. But what other players that have come through this summer have um, have an impact for you so far? Well, I, I think the, the the big thing, and I mentioned this a few moments ago, is the emergence this year. And it sounds like he's a new player. We had him before, and he didn't play anything like this. Rob Snodgrass yeah. has been absolutely special. 
Um, you know, he, he is he's making things happen. He's our set piece wizard sometimes. Oh, he's, he's great on set pieces. Different. I remember yeah. that. Um, but you know, the corner sometimes could t- take a little bit of uh, improvement. But but again, we're being hypercritical. But but sure. it's what I like about is you know, and him and Noble, you could put in the same bracket. The work rate, they work their socks off for ninety minutes. You know, and, and they'll chase lost causes. They'll harry. They'll hassle, and they'll make things happen. They'll make a fifty-fifty ball, one hundred percent ball for themselves. And and that that kind of to me underlines the the work ethic of this team. There's not there's, there's very few fancy nans on this team. You could say that Hernandez is, I suppose, but it, it's a, it's a good industrious little team now that's that they're working for each other and working hard for each other and i think snodgrass is is, has probably been the the most important factor of that we could we can look at the 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 flash things of anderson this year which has been great he's got some fantastic goals and uh has been a brilliant addition to the team but snodgrass has come back from villa uh, and has added a completely new dimension to that midfield it's uh, not a surprise to me because I got to watch a good amount of him last season. I've watched a lot of matches from Aston Villa, and he was very good for Aston Villa. So that doesn't surprise me, but I understand he's a different player that is coming back to you. So that that definitely yeah, makes he, sense. Well, he wasn't, he wasn't that player when he left us. That's what I mean. Right, that's why I meant. It's right. almost like it's somebody's had an identity crisis, and they've come back as a completely <laughs> different person. Because when he was with us in the previous era um, – that's why he went. If he, if he was playing as well as he is now, he wouldn't have gone to Villa in the first place. But he wasn't playing that one. In fact, he was basically uh, the boo boy for the fans two years ago. He, people look at the team sheet and go, oh, Snodgrass is playing. And it would, it would also be like, and when he came back, he had to win a lot of people over. Because yeah. people said, well, we, why do we want him? You know, he, he was playing championship last year. Um, and that rather kind of... Player. Yeah, well, exactly that. Well, I think so, and and he's showing that this season, and he has won over so many people. I would not be surprised if he's not the the player of the season at the end. Wow. He carries on the way he's going now. That's good to hear for him, and and he's a player that I, I remember even several years ago thinking that he could be a, a quality player, and I think he's uh, actually proven me right there. All right, right back to you, Bob Manuel Pellegrini. We've just had his presser, and. There are some doubts for the match. I, I think he said that um, Jack Wilshire is completely out, but yeah. a player that they are going to be monitoring, I think, tomorrow, and a player that I, actually some goals I just watched was very good, was uh, Lucas Perez. So he yes. is a doubt for this match. Let me ask you your thoughts on injuries heading into this match. Yeah, well, of course, we've got no one out of it either at the moment, which is no. a key thing. Um, he, he's out for a few more weeks, so we're, we're, we're lacking him. Uh, and this kind of now will show, as we go to the Christmas period, which we know is very intense in so many games in a short space of time, he's going to have to rotate. He can't play the 11 starting 11 that he's been playing recently. Um, Andy Carroll's going to have to play more, of a bit, more than a bit part, and he came on early uh, against Palace at the weekend. He may start. He may need to start him if Perez is not there. I mean, again, it's an interesting case that you, you mentioned about Perez. When he came on the other week, uh, the fans are going, oh, really? And then he scores two, then he scores two goals. Two it, wonderful it, goals, by yeah, the way. Yeah. They, were, they, were, they were two very well-taken goals. Um, but because he's not rehad really the chance to shine because of an Anatovic, 
Um, he's obviously going to have to play more of a part. Uh, Will Shet, well, I, I, I can say here and now, I was not keen on that signing at the beginning okay. of the season anyway. And I was told by other West Ham fans, you don't know what you're talking about. He's the best England midfielder, this, that, and the other. I said, yeah, but the problem is how much will he play? You know, he, he has the talent. We know the talent. He, he showed it at Arsenal in bursts. But he is so injury-prone. In fact, I, I described to somebody uh, online just now, he's made of balsa wood. You know, he, he doesn't get through. He, he, you know, he, he'll, he'll get an injury. Oh, I'll be back next week. Or come back and he'll, he'll be in the, uh, on the subs bench or whatever. He'll play 10 minutes and he's injured again. He's worse than Andy Carroll in there. So we, we have two yeah. crocs on our team um, who you cannot rely on for more than, you know, a handful of games, if that. Um, you know, I, I, it kind of irritated me that I was being shouted down a lot in the summer about Wilshire. But I think I've been proved right because he's, he's, he's barely featured. It's a very good point. You know, if you can't play, what good are you? And uh, unfortunately for him, it's injury-related. And, uh, you know, it's this has been a long-term situation with him. I want to go back to Carroll because one of my co-hosts is fearful that he's going to play against Fulham, seriously, because of what he has uh, brought in the past against yeah. Fulham and, well, and, I, I, and just he, in general. Yeah, he will, you know, he'll cause you problems, though, Russ. He will because set pieces. You know, yes. the, height, the height he's got – your back four, I'm afraid, are not going to be able to cope with that very well, because because he he's brilliant from set pieces. You know, um, he's another kind of like a Peter Crouch situation. Is it? You get a big man in the box like that, um, and I, I look at your back four and I'm thinking, Ooh. you know, Carroll on top former Carroll really wants it, but you know, Carroll also has the other side to his game that he might be a little bit too aggressive. And um, we've got Mike Deans in charge of this one, I believe, yes, he does. this weekend. Yes, he does. Um, which I don't know whether you're, the Americans know about Jasper Carrot, but he's a, a leading comedian in this country who is a, a dead ringer for Mike Dean, or Mike Dean's a dead ringer for him. And every time, so we got, oh, we've got Jasper again this weekend. So. <laughs> And and he he's um, he's quite card happy as Mr. Dean. Yes. So um, so Andy Carroll needs to be a bit careful because you know, those flailing elbows and stuff. He, he he might just find himself in a bit of trouble. Very interesting you say that. But I'm curious, how does he fit under Manuel Pellegrini and his style? I'm curious how how that works. Yeah, it it, it doesn't quite fit in the style of Anatovich, um, but it. it you can see him being more of an impact player. I mean, I'd say he's not been starting. He has been coming on as a sub uh, last couple of games. He played a bit more time against Palace at the weekend. But his sheer presence causes problems. So it allows yeah. other players around him to exploit that. So he, he can be a bit of a battering ram in a way. But then he opens up spaces and opens up opportunities for other people around him. So it's not always him. I mean, you see him as an out goal scorer, a target man, which I suppose he is. But his sheer presence can, can unsettle defences uh, and make life very difficult for them. And that, that's, you know, trying to be as neutral as I can be about this one. That, that would be the thing that would concern me about for Fulham this weekend yep. is that if he's in the mix and he's playing well, and we don't know how well he's playing because we haven't seen enough of him this year. But if he's if he's on his game, um, also so some of your other, uh, uh, I think the tongue firmly locked in cheek says, oh oh, Andy Carroll's bound to get um, a red card or a, a yellow here because he'll want to miss the Christmas period. Jeez. Uh, well, so I, I don't know what truth there is in that. <laughs> well, listen, I understand why my co-host brought that to my attention, and uh, I understand it totally understand it. So that's why I wanted to ask you about Andy Carroll because. Uh, I don't want to see him feature against Fulham, but if he does, I think it could be an issue for my club. All right. 
All right, Bob, let's get a little bit more into this. What I do for strengths and weaknesses, I actually go to whoscore.com and I read off what they say as strengths and weaknesses, see if they match up with what you know about your club. I also read off what they say as uh, style of play. So mm-hmm. I'm going to share with you what whoscore.com says about strengths and style of play. And just simply tell me if it matches up. And if it doesn't, tell me your thoughts on strengths. Right. So this is what whoscore.com says is strengths. Very strong, creating chances using through balls. Strong at counterattacks. Stealing the ball from the opposition. Strong. Style of play. Attempt through balls often. Attacking down the right. Play the offside trap. Rotate their first 11. Playing in their own half. Okay. Bob, does that describe... West Ham to you, a style of play, and also the strengths that they list. Yeah, I, th- I think so. I think um, we we do do a lot of stuff down the right, it is true. Although I'm trying to think in recent times, we've had quite a few things opening up from the left. So I don't think we're necessarily a one-sided team in that respect. Um, but uh, yeah, I, w- I would say the majority of the things are generated down the right for the most part. Um, I-, I always think we have a frailty when it comes to our third um, where, you know, we, we can look a little bit unsure when the, the ball's in and around the box sometimes. But in terms of um, aggressive and, and, and forward-thinking intent, yeah, I think that, that sums up pretty well. Okay, very good. All right, now I'm going to read what it says for weaknesses. Here they are. Defending set pieces, mm-hmm. aerial duels, mm-hmm. defending against tacks down the wings, defending yes. against long shots, defending against through ball attacks, protecting the lead. Does that match up? Um, yeah, to a certain extent, I, mean, I, say, I, I think sometimes we look a little bit unsteady, uncertain when we get in around our own box about what to do. Um, there's sometimes they'll the look to go back to Fabianski and sometimes they won't look to go to Fabianski. And I think basically, I, th- I think Pellegrini doesn't want them to keep going back via the keeper. He wants them to kind of generate stuff themselves. But I think sometimes they go a bit betwixt and between and go, uh, okay, well, there, there's an opening. There's an option. I'll put it back to him. And I wish they wouldn't, quite frankly, because I, I always think that kind of takes the momentum away from us too much. But, yeah, I, I don't think – to be fair, that, that thing about set pieces can almost apply to any team in the Premier League, I quite frankly. <laughs> I totally uh, agree. I, I don't know too many teams who are good <laughs> from set pieces, uh, defending set pieces. Yeah. Because uh, everybody has – like we have target men. Yeah, every other team has target men. So, so I, I think if if there is actually a weakness in the, in the Premier League, full stop, it's the way that teams defend. Look how many goals are scored from set pieces. Oh, I totally agree. Totally agree. A lot. All right, let's now get your thoughts on key players for West Ham against Fulham. I'm curious where you're going to go on this. Okay, well, depending on what um, our starting lineup is going to be at the weekend, and we don't know yet, um, Chicharito or Hernandez, to me. It's starting to come into a bit of a vein of form since he said he wanted to leave, which is quite interesting because <laughs> he, he was making loads of noise about, oh, I'm a transfer window, I want to go. Now, I don't know what's you changed. just arrived. Yeah, well, yeah, it, yeah, well, yeah, it was here at the back end of last year, of course. He was. And, uh, um, but it, he, he's never really ingratiated himself with the West Ham fans. But all of a sudden, he's on a bit of a rich vein of form here. Uh, and you know that every goal he's ever scored, wherever he's been in the Premier League, has been inside the box. Every single goal. He's never scored a goal from outside the penalty box. I was not aware of that. Yeah. no, I think he's the second or third in the all-time uh, scorers in the Premier League for, for in terms of percentage 
from uh, from being inside the box. Well, it was one hundred percent inside the box. He's never scored anything from outside eighteen yards. Um, so, and he obviously doesn't have the foil. When he and Anatovich were starting to click together a few games ago, I'm thinking that looks like that partnership's coming together. But obviously, that's kind of changed now. Um, whether you can put him and uh, Andy Carroll together on a regular basis is is a big question because they are so dissimilar in the way they play. But um, but when Anderson, I think, is our key man against you because I think Anderson has all the tricks and he'll look and think, right, here's a, here's a vulnerable defense. I can do a few uh, kind of show reels for you, if you like, here. So I think I think the key player for, for, for a West Ham point of view uh, this weekend will be Felipe Anderson. Okay, very good there. All right, let's now start to talk about Fulham. And mm. I want to get your thoughts on Claudio Ranieri. Before I go to you on that, I just want to mention that one of my co-hosts, Max Cohen, was at the NBC Sports Fan Fest in New York City last weekend. And he had the opportunity of interviewing Robbie Earl, Kyle Martino, and Rebecca Lowe. My friend. My former colleague, Rebecca. (laughs) She's fantastic. And she's actually, as we were talking about, me and Max off air, that she's really the face of uh, football in America right now. She's that well-known and she does an excellent job. But what's interesting about what all three had to share when, when the topic of Ranieri came up is that he'll keep you in the division, which I find that interesting. was very optimistic with Fulham now because Ranieri was in charge. So that's going to lead me to ask you about Ranieri, thoughts on his time so far at Fulham, and, and what do you think of him being in charge of Fulham? Well, it's interesting you say that about oh, we'll keep you in the division. It's a bit like uh, people said that about David Moyes with us. Yeah. Um, but why did Leicester City get rid of him the year after he won the title? In that case, um, you have you have to question that to a certain extent. That he was at that stage, Leicester were doing the complete reverse of what they did the season before, and were heading into a bit of trouble. Now, he, he's obviously been a high-profile club where he's had loads of money. He's a high-profile club where he doesn't have a lot of money, particularly with Fulham. Also, he's picking up a uh, a poison chalice in a little bit of a way. He, he's got to stem uh, the tide. He's got to try and put a tourniquet on the bleeding in terms of the goals you're conceding right now, which right. He, is, he is the right man for that. Definitely the right man for that, I think, because he's very pragmatic in the way he does things. But I think it's going to take him a little while. I don't, it's, not a, it's not a tourniquet. He can't just stop everything straight away like that. I, I think you probably do have the right man. He's making the right noises. I think you've probably seen a few improvements, haven't you, last few games? Oh, absolutely. I, I have. So I, th- I think it's, it's, it's going to be – I don't see – I say I don't see you going down. I hope you don't go down because I have quite a soft spot for Fulham. But um, I, I think he's probably – I think he has probably got enough um, in the players that he's got in that squad and the way that he sets his teams up. And I think that was an aberration last weekend against United. I think uh, I think you can like like we we got absolutely uh, stunned by Manchester City. I right. think there are certain games in the course of a season you can kind of write them off. Say, well, it's one of those days, and I think it was just one of those days for you last weekend. But yeah, I, I think he's the right man. But you know, he he has got a big job to do. But I think I think what you're lucky in is that there are a few other teams down the bottom of the table who probably have even bigger problems long term here. I think. Um, who, who aren't who aren't really getting things doing? I mean, Southampton have brought a new man in. Is he going to change things quickly? It's going to take a while for the, for him to bed in there. Um, Huddersfield aren't looking brilliant at the moment. 
Um, there's a few other teams. So I think it's going to be quite interesting that that bottom five or six is going to be quite interesting this year. I think you'll probably be in and around that, but I think you may just have enough. You've obviously got a couple of goal scorers, potentially if they're on, on form, who right. can get you out of that hole. Right, and that's been my thoughts on that, Bob, is that we have Mitrovic, we also have Sherla, and uh, I think you'll start to see more goals from players like Ryan Session and even Tom Kearney. So I think we have the talent to stay in the division, but like you mentioned, he has a huge job on his hands transforming Fulham. It doesn't happen overnight. Rome wasn't built in a day, yeah. and I, I've seen progress. You know, it's going to take time, but what I've seen so far I like, and I'm glad that you mentioned the Manchester United match because that was the first backward step, especially the mm. first half. But in the second half, I saw a little bit what I've seen in, in the first three matches under Ranieri. I, I saw an improved play, so... For me, I can see improvement, and uh, I am hopeful, but only time will tell. All right, let's get a little bit further into Fulham. Who do you see as players that concern you from a West Ham perspective for this match? Well, you got Ryan Mitrovic, who, who can do great things on his day. Has he had enough of them this year? Potentially not. You think, right, here's, here's a guy who's going to take his championship form into the Premier League. Uh, is he going to make that step up? Has he made that step up fully yet? I don't think he has, but there, you know, there's there's loads of potential for him to show what he can do and uh, prove that he is a Premier League style player. Not quite there yet, but but somebody could could easily uh, be undone by him. I hope it's not going to be us. But yeah, I was impressed with him last year. Yep. He's yet to fully impress me this year, but th- there's still time. Okay, very good. A player that, uh, again, myself and many Fulham supporters, and actually the, there was a lot of praise for bringing in Sean Michael Surrey. And uh, I'm curious to see how he will progress under Ranieri because uh, he's been a disappointment, Bob. I don't know if you've had a chance to watch him. The beginning of the season, we kind of saw the player that we had hoped we have seen. But since then, mm. it's actually not been great for Jean Michael Surrey. And you know, it leads me to ask the question because, again, we also have uh, Anguissa as well, two players coming from France. And uh, yeah. is it really, you know, could it possibly be such an adjustment coming to the Premier League from, say, France that it just takes more time than, than say, coming directly from, I don't know, maybe coming from Germany or coming from Italy? Maybe it's a little bit different coming from France. I'm curious your thoughts on this because these two players, again, come from Ligue 1 and really have not hit the pavement running, unfortunately. I, th- I think what a lot of people miss out on or don't fully appreciate or understand is the speed of the Premier League compared yeah. to most other leagues in Europe. Um, the, 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 the Bundesliga is, is similar, I think, in style and also in speed. You look at most of the other major leagues in Europe, it's a slower pace, it's a slower tempo. It's played in a slightly different way, as we find out when we see Champions League games. You know, right. There's often a real clash of styles there. And I think the intensity of and the pace of the Premier League is quite a thing for people to adapt to. Look at Paul Pogba, Manchester United yeah, at the moment. So he, he, they're not getting a tune out of him because he, he's finding it really hard. Because the other thing about most European leagues, Span, Spanish League being, I think, the best case in point, is... Half the league, you, you can probably win against comfortably most weeks. If you're Real Madrid or you're a Barcelona or Atletico Madrid, you know pretty much you should be able to beat the bottom half of that table. The Premier League is not like that. All 20 teams are competitive. 
all 20 teams can beat anybody on a, any given day. So you don't have those kind of, you look at the, oh, it'll be an easy fixture this weekend. Because the, the, there aren't any easy fixtures. And I think that if you don't have the mindset that every single game is as, as intense as the last, as intense as the next one, then you get you get left behind. And I think there are some players who come into the Premier League not really certain of what the Premier League is because you don't get the idea of the speed of it on TV, right. I don't think. If you're actually at a game, you can physically see how quickly the ball moves around, the intensity of it. I mean, I would think, I've not seen the stats, but I would think there's probably more running done in the Premier League by a lot of players than, than other than other leagues because it's not the other leagues are a bit more static in lots of ways with the way they right. play it. I, I think there's more intensity. Uh, the, some people say the quality is not maybe there, but it's a different. That's a different uh, argument altogether. But the intensity and the speed of the game is as quick as any, uh, and I think that is the the biggest adaptation that's not always made by players coming into it. It's a great point because both of these players I'm talking about, I, I think, have huge amount of talent. And it just hasn't worked out yet. And and the one thing that I've noticed is, I guess you could say, the awareness of their surroundings, not being aware of the players around them, yeah. the pace of the game. You don't have happened. time to think, right? That's the, the, they don't. You don't have the extra second to go, right. well, I can compose myself, I can do this. Because by that time, somebody's coming and taking the ball off you. Exactly. Or close you down or whatever. They, I, I think you, you just can't allow yourself that extra second in the Premier League. Okay. And... There's a perfect example of that with Jean-Michael Serri being uh, taken advantage of by Conte, who's going to do that to many players. But again, that was a, a glaring issue, and I just noticed that, and, and I've seen that in a few other games, just little mental errors that both of these mm-hmm. players are making. And like you said, it's it's the pace and, and that they don't have any time. They have to be aware of everyone around them or they're going to yeah. get taken advantage of. So yeah. that's why I kind of wanted to ask you about those two players because those are two players that – I thought by this time of the season, I'd, I'd be going to my, you know, I guess and saying, well, these are players that you should be looking for. And uh, right now, neither one of them have hit the uh, pavement running as much as I had hoped. Anyways, let's move on. Bob, let's go to matchups. I always like doing this. So let's start with Fulham's attack versus West Ham's defense. So mm. look at it. And who do you give the advantage to Fulham going forward and West Ham defending? That's quite a difficult one. We, to be fair, we, we in recent times we've not so always, we conceded two last week. We had conceded one the week before, and then we had a clean sheet before that. So we've conceded three, three and three, which is pretty decent. Um, I'm, I'm kind of besmirching my defence. I'm looking back <laughs> at the last three games, saying, "Well, actually, we've done okay," but we are. We just have those errors in us. That's that's the thing that worries me. Okay. And, and that's why, alluding to something I was talking about earlier on, if, if Mitrovic has his eyes wide open and, and sees those little errors and mistakes that we can make, he could capitalise. But I think if you made me come down one way or the other, I would say probably our defence is a little bit more assured than your, uh, your forward line is right now. Okay. So you're going to give the advantage to West Ham. Mm. Let's flip it. West Ham's attack versus Fulham's defense. I, I don't even need an answer from you. I, I know what the answer is. But yeah, go ahead I'm, I'm and uh, share your thoughts on this. Yeah, well, they won't, I'll probably won't have to wait uh, too long to, uh, to to give you the, the outcome on that one. Because, I mean, you know, the, the, the stats tell you everything. And I sure. don't need to, to, to labor those, the, the amount of goals you've conceded this season. And, and also... The type of goals you've conceded, which which has amazed me when I've watched the highlights yep. on Match of the Day here, I, I look at 
the goals that you can see, which are so easy to eradicate. Absolutely. You know, re- really stupid goals. How do that, you know, positional play and, and, get, and getting drawn to the ball and leaving huge, great expanses of... The majority um, of the goals, Bob, are mental errors. Yeah. So, you know, j- just from that point of view, but they get, hopefully Ranieri is, is drilling him. I'm sure, I'm sure that's all he's probably doing right now. Yeah in training is defensive drills. Yes. He's probably just saying, right, we, we, this is what we've got. This, this the preventable been, goals is what This is why he's been about. brought in, obviously, is, yep. is to try, is try and stop the, the amount of goals you're conceding. Uh, and I say, I, I, I put last weekend down to an aberration because I think I don't think that's going to happen again yeah, until you face the likes of City, perhaps, something like that. But um, I'm afraid on, on both counts um, with... Uh, our defense against your attack and uh, vice versa. I'm afraid I, I have to come. I have to come down with my West Ham bias on the side of uh, the Hammers. Understand that. Now this is going to be interesting. How about the central midfield battle? Who do you give the advantage to here? Because Fulham actually have uh, changed things a little bit. Calum Chambers, believe it or not, has played very well as a defensive midfielder. Mm. Uh, but I just mentioned to you the issue with John Michael Sarri. And um, Tom Kearney, I'm, I'm going to include him in as, say, part of, I guess you could say like a midfield three if, if it was a 4-2-3-1. He's a very good player. But well, on the other side, well. you have Rice and Noble, who are both very good. So who do you give the advantage to? Well, I've got to say, because I've been talking them up so much, I, I think our midfield has actually been the most impressive thing that we've had this season. Uh, our defense has been a bit um, uh, off and on. Uh, our attack at times has been a little bit lightweight. But our midfield... Has has been exemplary. Um, so I, I would have to say, oh God, I'm going to give you three in a row here. Um, of, of the of the three, I I would feel most comfortable about saying our midfield wow. has been has been absolutely outstanding. Okay. Um, so yeah, but and, it, and it's it's good creatively, it's good defensively, and of course this will be the uh, the, the the cue for us to concede loads from midfield <laughs> mistakes. But um, I hope so. no, yeah, well, of course, you, from your point of view, you do. But I think um, right. no, I, I've, I've been really impressed with our midfield. Okay. It's, indu- it's industrious, it's very creative, and I think it's uh, been probably the most impressive thing we've had this year. Okay. And finally, this is an interesting one. This is just your opinion. Who has the coaching advantage between Pellegrini? And Ranieri. Well, they have probably Ranieri's got slightly more Premier League experience than Pellegrini, um, and they both won Premier League titles. Yes. So, I think because Pellegrini's had a bit longer in the job with West Ham, and will now he's now got his team playing the way he wants them to do and getting the results he wants to see from them. I would, I'd just give him the edge, but it would only be a slight edge on that. I think okay. Ranieri is a good operator, as he proved at Leicester, as he proved at Chelsea. Um, so I, I think that it, it, I would almost call that a dead heat. Okay. All right. All right, Bob, let's now go into my section of predictions. First, from your point of view, what do West Ham need to do to win the match at Craven Cottage? I think they need to play like they played in the second half against Cardiff, uh, but for 90 minutes. And the same against Crystal Palace, but for 90 minutes. Uh, and actually get on the front foot straight off. And, you know, Fulham are vulnerable. We've seen it. Uh, if, if West Ham, obviously they're the wayside, so Fulham will be expected as a home side to have a little bit more about them at Craven Cottage. But I think we need to be a bit more forceful, a bit more ambitious maybe early on. 
and try and put the the game to bed in the first half an hour or so, which we haven't done in recent times. So I, I think it's a case of uh, basically starting the first half like we've started the second half in the last three games. Okay. Get off to a very good start, maybe yeah. get an early goal. It right. sounds like you're looking for. Yeah, indeed. Okay. Now I'm going to put you in the shoes of Ranieri. Hmm. What does Fulham need to do to win this match if you were him? How would you look at this match? What would be your game plan against West Ham United if you were him? Well, I, I know man-to-man markings kind of gone out of fashion, but I would say stick somebody on Anderson, right? I, I'd say Anderson is the danger man in a game like this, I think, uh, and and just keep him quiet. Just just mark, mark him as close as you can without being stupid, and obviously be right on top of him. But but it's creative players in games like this who, who make a change, I think, and make a difference. And I think Anderson's coming into a, a, a good little run a form here and he could be the person to to pick the lock so i i would say hernandez yes you know if he, he gets inside the box he might well but you need somebody to be creative from just outside the box and anderson's the guy who does that so i would say right we need to keep a very close eye on him and make sure he doesn't have room to maneuver okay very good all right it's time for your prediction bob and then i'll give mine okay um i think there will be goals it's a five thirty game here. Yeah, I think I think uh, how many? This is the question. Yeah, uh, are we going to score three again? <sighs> yes, I think we are. Um, are you going to score? Yes, I think you are. So I'm going to go. I think it's going to be quite an open game. This um, and of course, come seven fifteen our time on uh, Saturday night, it'll probably be a nil nil. But I think <laughs> I am going to go for three uh, one. Okay. So you're going 3-1 to West Ham. Yes. I agree with you that it's going to be an open game. I agree with you that there are going to be a lot of goals. I think there are going to be more goals than you think. Okay. I'm actually going 3-2 to two to Fulham. I think Fulham are going to win this match. Okay. All right. I think, I think it's going to be an open game. I think this is not going to make Claudio Ranieri happy at all because he wants a clean sheet. He's not going to get his clean sheet, especially against what I've been watching lately from West Ham. They are looking like a really good side, playing some good football. I think you're going to score some goals. But here's the thing. I think Fulham are ready to score more goals than they have been lately. They have the ability to. So I'm going 3-2 to two to Fulham at Craven Cottage. We need the points more than you do. So I'm going for a Fulham victory, Bob. Well, All right. uh, Pellegrini says he wants to get top six. And if we get three points, we move from 10th into the top eight. This I think, is true. So. This is true. No, it's a, it's a valid point. But when you're bottom of the league, you really need the points. So, uh, yes. That's... <laughs> no, I get that. I understand that. So, um, so we shall see, my friend. Bob, before we go, just again, thank you so much for doing this with me. Pleasure. Absolute pleasure, Russ. Please tell everyone how they can follow you on Twitter and also what you've been doing lately. Okay. Um, my Twitter handle is at Bob Ballard Sport, and I've been doing uh, everything barring football, really. I've been working on the uh, Champions Hockey League. Yeah. Uh, so I've been doing commentary on the, uh, the the ice hockey since August, which has been good fun. That's uh, come to an end for me now because we've got to the semi-final stage, so I do it up until semis. Um, I've got some diving things coming up very soon, doing the World Series event in London in May, uh, some swimming events as well for the new year. So, um, yeah, keeping relatively busy. Okay, very good. That's great to hear. And so good to have you on. But it is time to wrap up this show of Cottage Talk. For my guest, Bob Ballard, I'm Russ Goldman. Thank you as always for listening to Cottage Talk. It's the 90th minute and all to play for at the end of the match. All your mates are around. You've got your McDougat share boxes ready to go. 
Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? I know I'm in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver-assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.